If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Welcome to Neverland! <laughs> Hello, Neverlanders. It is time to take your pixie out of your pocket. I am Lost Boy Eric, and I am this week filling in for our spider pan, Jeremy, who unfortunately has succumbed to an allergy issue this week. Yes, that even affects us here in Neverland. But I'll tell you, it has been a fantastic week filled with some great news from the world of Marvel, from the world of Disney, and from the world of Star Wars. So take your pixies out of your pocket. We've got a great show ahead. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. To begin with, BB-8 has now come to Disney Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Uh, this is a meet and greet opportunity. There have been, uh, you know, currently uh, we've been able to meet with Kylo Ren and Chewbacca uh, at Star Wars Launch Bay. And, you know, those characters are also available at uh, Disneyland. But BB-8, as of right now, is exclusive to Walt Disney uh, World. Uh, Guests have the opportunity to meet and take pictures with BB-8. Unfortunately, there's uh, no opportunity for a signature. It's not clear at this time if BB-8 is available throughout the day at Star Wars Launch Bay or if this is uh, exclusive to Galactic Nights, uh, which is a Star Wars celebration uh, certain nights of the week at Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, however, uh, it's a great opportunity to get a picture with BB-8, to interact with them a little bit, and to uh, really have that opportunity to get to know our Star Wars stars a little bit better. Also in the news this week was the 25th anniversary of Disneyland Paris. Uh, officially, Disneyland Paris opened their gates on April 12, 1992. And to celebrate, they prepared some great activities 
Um, namely, they had a uh, grand celebration kickoff, which had a huge cast of characters uh, coming out of the castle and greeting the guests. You know, there were a lot of characters that we just never see anymore in the parks, like Roger Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit. Uh, there was um, Ben from Treasure Planet. Um, oh, gosh, I can't even remember. There were so many different characters that were coming out. Um, it's just a, it was a wonderful opportunity to see a lot of these characters that we just don't see. And even after the characters came out, the cast members for the resort also got to come out, and they were celebrated as well. Now, they also had a, a entertainment and attractions specially created for the 25th anniversary celebration. Uh, they have... Um, Two new stage shows in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle, which is Mickey Presents Happy Anniversary Disneyland Paris, as well as the starlit Princess Waltz. Uh, they've recently reimagined Star Tours uh, to match uh, what we have in Florida and California with the Adventures Continue. And they also have a new stunning nighttime finale, Disney Illuminations, which features the state-of-the-art uh, projection technology that has been in wide use in both California and Florida. Now, the night before Star Wars Celebration began, Entertainment Weekly released really the first big news story uh, affecting Star Wars Celebration. Uh, that is Forces of Destiny. They gave us a first look at uh, some new animated shorts that are going to be coming out uh, detailing the female heroes within the galaxy. There are going to be eight new 2D animated shorts debuting on Disney's YouTube channel in July. And then these eight shorts are going to be packaged with an additional eight later in the fall for specials that are going to be airing on the Disney channel. Now, they'll be full of familiar characters and creatures. The central figures are going to be Princess Leia, Padme Amidala, Rey, Jyn Erso, uh, and then from Rebels, we're going to also have uh, visits from Sabine Wren, Ahsoka Tano, as well as Hera Syndulla. Now, they do say that in some cases, multiple heroines are going to appear in adventures with each other, even though some of them have been separated by different timelines. However, this is all going to be official canon. Now, Carrie Beck, an executive producer, says one of the opportunities uh, here was to tell the stories in between the larger moments and imagine some of the ways our characters have crossed. It's all part of the larger swath of storytelling. Now, each of the Forces of Destiny shorts are going to be about three minutes long. They were penned by Jennifer Murrow, who is known for work on DC's Justice League Action, uh, which is a current update of uh, the old animated Justice League series. Uh, and she's also helmed episodes of Rebels. Now, Dave Filoni is also helping to create these new storylines. Many of the original actresses are going to be voicing their characters. Uh, we'll have Daisy Ridley playing Rey. Uh, the race stories in particular are actually going to be set within The Force Awakens, so we're not going to have any flash-forwards to what's happening in The Last Jedi or Episode Nine, and certainly there aren't going to be any flashbacks to give us any more information about her past. And uh, Felicity Jones is also coming back for Jen Erso, uh, and her stories, of course, are going to occur before the climax of Rogue One. Now, um, Sabine Wren and Ahsoka Tano uh, are certainly going to be uh, providing the voices as well uh, for their characters as well as Vanessa Marshall who is Hera in Rebels 
while Carrie Fisher is gone, Princess Leia is going to be voiced by Shelby Young. And uh, Natalie Portman's not going to be involved, but Padme's voice will be um, played by Catherine Tabor, who also uh, portrayed Padme in The Clone Wars. One other towering female presence from Star Wars uh, that's going to be playing a part in the shorts is Maz Kanata. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o will be narrating the shorts uh, as the little orange alien sage. Now, we do know uh, a few of the plot points. One Forces of Destiny story involves Rey battling the thieving Jakku scavenger Tito to protect BB-8 while they're on their way to Nima Outpost before she meets Finn. And then another is going to involve a battle with a Night Watcher worm, a creature with glowing eyes who is seen only briefly in The Force Awakens, lifting its head out of the sand. I honestly don't remember seeing that character. Now, another short is going to be taking place on board the Millennium Falcon with Han, Chewbacca, and Finn as Rey tries to disarm an explosive tracking device that was hidden aboard by Unkar Plutt. Uh, Princess Leia short is going to take place just before the Battle of Hoth. Uh, and uh, the Rebel stories are going to involve uh, Chopper in the Yavin 4 Rebel base. Um, also, one that's going to be really intriguing is a story set on Endor. And I'm not going to get into any details here, but it looks like there's going to be a great mix-up and mash-up between some of these uh, different characters. One of the biggest complaints following The Force Awakens was that there wasn't much merchandise centered around Rey. And one of the things that Forces of Destiny is going to do is they are bringing out a toy line as well, um, comprised of, well, think of kind of a mix-up between traditional dolls and action figures, and that's what this toy series is going to be creating. Um, some very uh, doll-like action figures. It's definitely going to be interesting to... Uh, see how this all plays out and how it all works, but I know I'm really looking forward to seeing what these stories are going to be adding, and hey, they're all official canon, so this is going to be information that uh, is going to be part of the new universe going forth. Really looking forward to it. Again, we don't have much information as to when uh, these are going to premiere on YouTube, but uh, we'll certainly let you know once we know. Now, coming direct to us from Star Wars Celebration is... Star Wars Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad. Now this is going to be uh, this is a the next chapter in the Battlefield or Battlefront series, uh, and it's going to be released on November 17th, 2017. Uh, and the story campaign of this is going to be considered Star Wars canon. Now during the presentation, uh, it was labeled that this is the most ambitious thing that EA has ever embarked upon. The creators wanted to tell a story from the Empire's point of view. What does a stormtrooper feel when he or she looks up and sees the destruction of the Death Star at the end of Return of the Jedi? The single-player single campaign rather, will put you in the shoes of an Imperial Special Forces Commander of Infernal Squad, Aiden Versio. Now, the game takes place directly after the return of the Jedi, and the creators express their gratitude that they have a huge time span for their story since the next Star Wars canon story happens 30 years later. Uh, you might recognize the name Infernal Squad. A few months ago, the official site announced a new novel with that same name. Now, the novel is uh, said to be set shortly after the events of Rogue One, and it will focus on the perspective of a group of Imperial operatives as they go after the scattered partisans, formerly led by Saw Gerrera. 
Uh, Christy Golden, who previously worked on the novelization of the Empress Dark Disciple episodes of The Clone Wars, uh, is going to be the author of this book. Uh, Christy's also written a few other books within the new timeline as well. Now, some of the highlights is that there are going to be multiple new locations, including the Imperial world of Vardos. Now, the story follows uh, Ideri's journey. She'll cross paths with several famous characters. In the story, you can play as Rey, Luke, Yoda, Darth Maul, as well as others. Now, all of the Star Wars eras will be available on multiplayer. There's going to be more weapons, more vehicles, and more characters. Now, EA is also introducing classes. You'll be able to unlock new abilities and improve and upgrade your characters and vehicles and ships. Well, there's going to be many possibilities within the story mode. We're going to be going to locations that haven't been seen before, and they will feel alive. Now, space battles are also going to be a significant part of the game, and the maps that they've announced so far include Yavin 4, Mos Eisley, and Starkiller Base. Now, uh, while it's going to be released on November 17th, EA subscribers will be able to play the game on November 9th, and if you can pre-order Battlefront 2, you will get exclusive Last Jedi uh, Kylo Ren and Rey-themed looks. I'll tell you, this game looks phenomenal. Um, I'll definitely, if it were style of game, I have my, myself, I have an issue with the first-person type perspective games, but uh, I know Jeremy is really like Battlefront, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people really looking forward to this release. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Oh. Get that gator. Ah. Ah. The Neverland Trailer Park. We have had a couple of huge trailer releases this week. And uh, while I'll get to the biggest one in just a moment, uh, first we wanted to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Now I know what you're thinking. How did this happen? Well, it's a long story. Oh, 
oh my goodness, I cannot believe how great this is looking. I mean, I, I haven't had reason to think Marvel has failed, but uh, you know, certainly the Thor movies are not the highest ones on my list to watch. This trailer blew both of the previous movies out of the water. Oh my goodness, we see Thor in chains. We see the destruction of Mjolnir and Asgard by Hela. We see Thor being basically captured and forced to fight within this gladiatorial arena reigned over by the Grandmaster. We see Loki show up a couple of times. Uh, and really the greatest part of this trailer was that <laughs> phrase, Hey! We see the reveal of the Incredible Hulk. Hey, he's a friend from work. Oh my goodness. I, like I said, I am looking forward to this. Now, of course, it's going to be starring Chris Hemsworth as Thor. We know that uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki is going to be in there. Um, Kate Planchette is playing Hela, and oh my goodness, they have got her down to a T based on this trailer. Uh, another surprise was uh, seeing Scourge on there. He's a character that was very prominent in uh, the storyline that this is based on. Ragnarok, you know, they're battling people coming into Asgard with, with a pair of, you know, huge guns. Um, we And of course, we've got Mark Ruffalo as the Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner, I hear, is not going to be making too much of an appearance. This is the Hulk. Oh, my goodness. And of course, we've got Jeff Goldblum as the, gold, as the Grandmaster. Um, wow, this is incredible, and I cannot wait until Thor Ragnarok is released. Uh, looking forward to that on November 3rd, coming up later this year. I know I'm excited. I know Jeremy is excited. This looks to be like a great film. Coming out of Star Wars Celebration, we also got a trailer for Season 4 of Star Wars Rebels. It was a simple story about a boy who was lost and a girl who was broken. They fought alongside a survivor, a war veteran, and a fallen knight. I led them into battle against an evil so terrible it tried to black out the stars. We fought for each other. We fought for those who could not. But we never imagined it would end like this. This is a time of difficult choices. Sometimes impossible ones. As long as we're together, we've got a chance. At least we'll go down fighting. All paths are coming together now. It's time to get to work. We are the balance, Ezra. We were meant to be Jedi so we could be here now. When Lothal needs us most. 
May the Force be with you. Now, I've been following along with Star Wars Rebels since almost the beginning. I know Jeremy still needs to finish watching Season 2 and Season 3. Now, executive producer Dave Filoni let us know that this is going to be the last season of Rebels, uh, and it looks like we're going to be seeing uh, everything coming to a head with the Battle of Scarif that we saw in Rogue One. But there are some storylines and some plot lines to wrap up, coming up within this season. You know, what's going to happen with the Mandalorian warriors? What uh, is going to be the fate of our crew? Now, we do know from Rogue One that a couple of our characters have survived, at least up to that point, namely uh, Harrison Dula and Chopper. Uh, but what's going to happen with Ezra? What's going to happen with uh, our fallen Jedi Knight, Kanan Jarrus? Um, what's going to happen with Sabine? Where's, where's uh, Zeb? You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, one of the interesting points that came out of uh, this these panels, uh, it does appear that uh, Captain Rex is going to survive through to uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, we know that there was an older-looking uh, rebel warrior in there. Uh, within the previous canon, he was known as Nick Sant, uh, but Dave Filoni has all but confirmed that that character is Rex. So... Again, it's going to be very exciting to see what happens with this season. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if we get Ahsoka Tano back. Uh, at, during this panel, uh, Dave Filoni was wearing a shirt that says, Ahsoka lives with a question mark. After this trailer was shown, he had changed his T-shirt to one that says, Ahsoka lives with an exclamation point. But he said nothing further. So again, uh, I, I've become a big fan of Rebels. I'm sorry to see this series ending. But we do know that you know it's ending because there's something else that's coming along the horizon. We keep hearing rumors that uh, the next animated series is going to be set sometime during the new trilogy. Uh, we we do we also know that uh, Forces of Destiny, which we talked about earlier, is not the replacement series. So we know that there's more coming, and certainly it's going to be a very emotional watch to see what happens to this small group of rebels as we approach the end of this season. But again, this was not the only trailer we got from Star Wars Celebration.
my goodness. It is time for the Jedi to end. Wow, what has happened to Luke? He has been through, you know, he, he redeemed Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi. We know that he started up a new Jedi Academy, and we know that Kylo Ren destroyed that. You know, Luke has been in exile for who knows how long, and he's ready for the Jedi to end. Wow. You know, we don't know if this is just a, a depression created by Kylo Ren's betrayal, or, you know, maybe it's the beginning of a gray balance of Jedi between the light and the dark. Now, while Luke may think it's time for the Jedi to end, it's apparent that, you know, he's training, uh, he's training Rey. So, you know, this just raises more questions and gets me much more excited for this movie coming up. You know, we of course also got shots of Finn within some sort of a, a medical restoration bay. We saw Poe Dameron. We saw the explosion of a rebel uh, or of a resistance base. We saw that shot of Captain Phasma coming through. Hopefully her character is going to be much better. Um, I wow the the visuals you know uh, we see these speeders coming down onto the snow covered planet and skimming through the snow and kicking up red dust. Uh, we see space battles again. Oh my goodness! I cannot wait for the Last Jedi. I'll be talking about this a little bit later, but um, my goodness, this was fantastic! And again, I cannot wait until December. I know that Jeremy himself is also excited about this. You know, it is Star Wars. It is back. It is in full force. And wow, this is an amazing trailer. Now, like I said, it has been an amazing week for Star Wars news with Star Wars Celebration occurring in Orlando. Um, Lots of information, lots of details. You know, there's no way that we're going to be able to cover everything. But I did want to talk a little bit about the Last Jedi panel as well as the 40th anniversary panel. Now, with uh, the Last Jedi panel, not only did they just reveal that new trailer, but they also talked a little bit about some of the characters, about some of the story. Um, we do know that The Last Jedi is still in post-production. It's still being edited, but uh, director Ryan Johnson says that we are still editing, but we're very far along. Kathleen Kennedy was particularly happy uh, with what's been going on, and she really praised Johnson and said that he's on his way to standing alongside many of the great filmmakers that I've had the opportunity to work with. He has an amazing uniqueness to what he does, and certainly from the trailer, we can tell that this is a very different Star Wars story. You know, much in the vein of Empire Strikes Back, it does look like it's going to be dark. And, of course, it's the second act of this new trilogy. So we know that it most likely is not going to end on a very happy note. Now, um, the legacy of Leia and Carrie Fisher is going to, uh, to continue. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy said that Carrie is remarkable in the movie. The performance that she ends up giving... Um, is going to be an amazing tribute to her talent. And Johnson also said that he learned a lot from her. Uh, I connected first and foremost with her as a writer, and we did learn through Celebration that Carrie Fisher actually did some script doctoring to help it punch up and improve uh, the story as well. We do get to see our first look at her um, in that trailer. It's a behind-the-scenes shot uh, with swept back hair and a flowing gray robe. So, you know, again, very interesting uh, visual. We have yet to see 
what she's going to be doing in this movie, though. Now, also, uh, Ray's story is definitely going to be advancing within uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, she certainly was tight-lipped. Um, oh, one thing I do need to mention, this panel was hosted by uh, Josh Gad. Now, if you've been watching any of the... Um, or if you've seen anything on the internet lately about Star Wars, it may have been uh, from their from Daisy Ridley's trailer on the set of. Uh... Now there have been a series of really funny uh, clips from uh, Daisy's uh, trailer on the set of uh, Murder on the Orient Express, in which she's starring with Josh Gad. Um, and others, in which Josh Gad has been trying to get secrets out of her about the plot of The Last Jedi. Well, he actually hosted this panel, and, um, you know, and, and he kept up with the questions. Are you and Luke related by blood? Are you a Skywalker? Who doesn't know their own last name? Are you like the Madonna of Jakku? You know, but uh, Ray does offer some details. We we certainly go deeper into Ray's story, and Ray has a certain expectation of what she might get from Luke, and what that might entail. As a lot of people know, it's difficult when you meet your heroes because it might not be what you expect. And certainly, I don't think we expected to hear Luke say anything about ending the Jedi. Now, BB-8 um, is also definitely in the movie. Ryan Johnson actually said that BB-8 was the Buster Keaton of this movie. While it is going to be dark, it's still going to have comedic elements to it. And so definitely we're going to see a lot from BB-8, and I'm excited to see more of what this new droid has to offer. Now, um, Finn is in recovery, but he is going to be back. Um, his friendship between Finn and Poe are going to continue. Uh, but really, there's a test for all of the characters, so Finn's going to have a lot of questions that he needs to face. Uh, we also know that things are not going great in the galaxy. While Starkiller Base was destroyed, the First Order still wiped out the heart of the Republic, and the playing field has really been leveled. The First Order is on the attack. They're going to be trying to you know, cement their position as the new leadership within the galaxy. Uh, and Johnson says things are going to get dire. Now, the panel also introduced a new character to us, uh, a resistance maintenance worker named Rose, who's going to be played by Kelly Marie Tran. Um, everything is so secretive about the movie, she did not even tell her own family she got the part until four months later. Um, within the panel, it says that she actually told her family that she was working on an independent movie in Canada, even though this was being filmed in uh, the UK. And she even managed to find some maple syrup to give away as gifts. Now, uh, Johnson is very excited about this character. He said that the notion that any of us can step and turn into a hero, that's really where the character of Rose comes from. Kelly just embodies that for me. Now, Mark Hamill also came on stage. He was um, the last actor to come on out. And um, he actually talked about uh, the director, Ryan Johnson, coming to his home where they talked about the movie. Uh, well, during this event, Hamill happened to share uh, and have a special screening for the director, which happened to be his favorite episode of Sergeant Bilko. Now, uh, Hamill was very honest with Johnson. He felt that the original characters had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and he didn't want to ruin that. In fact, he said, I am terrified. And Johnson replied, well, so am I. And Mark Hamill said, that is a director that I can love. Now, um, it certainly sounds that uh, working with uh, Johnson was rewarding. 
in this experience, uh, Mark says, he's rocketed to the top of my all-time favorite director's list. I couldn't do it without him. I totally turned over my performance to Ryan. I knew if he was satisfied, then we got it right. Sounds like uh, he probably got better direction than faster and more intense. But man, um, what an amazing panel. You know, some really good news. And again, it's just really getting me and everyone else who saw it excited for what is next, what is on its way, and what's going to happen. Now, one of the true highlights um, from Star Wars Celebration was the 40th and uh, 40 years of Star Wars panel. Um, this actually was the kickoff to Star Wars Celebration on Thursday, and really was an opportunity to celebrate everything that's come within those past 40 years. Now, uh, there were a lot of surprises uh, with this as well. Now, the panel itself was hosted by Warwick Davis, who we all know uh, began his career in Return of the Jedi as uh, Wicket Warwick. Um, he introduced the first guest on this panel, Kathleen Kennedy. She came out, um, she had fans, uh, she mostly and began by thanking the fans uh, for all that they've done. She says, I'm sure like me, you can't quite believe that it's been 40 years. What I've experienced has really exceeded my wildest dreams. Your passion, your dedication, and your love of Star Wars you have no idea how that inspires us every single day. And she then gave us the first surprise of the panel. The greatest honor for me is to acknowledge the man whose collective genius has brought us all together today, at which point George Lucas came out. Oh, my goodness. You know, George Lucas has, you know, within the past few years, kind of distanced himself a little bit from Star Wars. You know, but really, how else can you begin a panel like this without you know, bringing him out and thanking him and acknowledging him for bringing this world to us. Um, he reflected on the origins of Star Wars. Um, he explained that it wasn't really simple. There was a moment, but it was just an idea. The idea was more. He wanted to make an action movie that was more like a Saturday matinee, but with musical, or I'm sorry, mythological motifs. Um, and he knew that this was really going to be a tough sell. Uh, THX 1138 wasn't really a hit. It has become a cult classic. And the studio really didn't like American Graffiti, which at that point hadn't been released. Um, but it was Alan Ladd at an early screening who loved American Graffiti and wanted Lucas's next movie, whatever it was. And that next movie was Star Wars. You know, he also pointed out that this was a movie for 12-year-olds. He says, I'm not supposed to say this, but really it is a movie for the kids in us. It's about what we stand for. You know, and he phrased it in, you're about to enter the real world um, and what you should pay attention to, friendships, honesty, and trust. Those are the things that it was meant to do. And obviously the real thrill is when I see the fans. Now, one of the neat things about this encounter with uh, George Lucas um, when Warwick Davis was cast as Wicket, he was only 11 years old. And following the production of Return of the Jedi, he actually sent a letter to George Lucas. It read, I hope you remember me. I helped you make the new Star Wars film last year. Um, <laughs> it's a really fun encounter. But the point of this letter was to ask for toys, specifically an Ewok and a Jabba the Hutt. While he played an Ewok, his favorite character from the new movie was Jabba. Um, 
and he did get those toys with him just absolutely beaming. Now, the next guest to come to the panel was Dave Filoni. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Dave Filoni has been the executive producer on Rebels. He was the executive producer uh, and worked very closely with George Lucas on uh, The Clone Wars. Uh, he was hired as a supervising director, and he shepherded the series. And he um, was something of a Padawan to Lucas as a Jedi Master. Filoni said, I'm really lucky. I would say that the most important lesson there is, is he would always tell me, don't be afraid. Because we know fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering, right? <laughs> now, it would have been easy to be overwhelmed working on Star Wars and not wanting to break it. However, George Lucas encouraged new ideas and new experiments. And they used, uh, actually, a new program to make the Clone Wars with new kinds of stories and new characters. And he reiterated, make no decision out of fear. Now, TV was also rewarding for Lucas because it was... Uh, an opportunity. Um, it's an experimental cauldron because there's not much at stake. Uh, you can put out a lot of stories without all the financial risk of a movie, and the stories of the Clone Wars were more interesting in long form. Uh, we were trying very hard, and I think we succeeded to do a feature-quality TV show. Uh, we were able to bring in great characters like Ahsoka that we would never have been able to have otherwise. Now, the next guest uh, was actually not present. It was Liam Neeson, who sent a video message. Uh, he said that he was working in uh, Canada on a new film, and he noted that it was a uh, movie about Jar Jar going to the dark side. Well, I don't think that's entirely accurate, but, you know, that did get a, a, a nice large uh, cheer from the audience. Now, the next guests to come to the stage were Ian McDermott, and Hayden Christensen. Now, this is the first celebration that Christensen uh, has come to celebration since, oh, I believe 2005, since the release of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Now, um, McDermott uh, was asked what his favorite scene was, and he said that uh, the opera scene where Palpatine really starts to tempt Anakin was his favorite. Um, it initially was written in an office. And then he said, you know, I think we should go somewhere else for a change. Or Lucas, rather, said, we think we should go somewhere else. And that led to the opera setting, which afforded really a different kind of interplay. Rather than, you know, sitting across a desk talking to one another, you had that side conversation between the two. Uh, and, you know, he said, you know, from my point of view, we could have a really evil chat. Now, Christensen himself kind of shared his own little geek out moment. Now, we know that um, Ewan McGregor has said multiple times that they had shots that couldn't be used because during the uh, lightsaber fight scenes because he was going around making lightsaber sounds with his mouth. Apparently, Hayden Christensen had the same problem as well. Um, George would come over to him and say, that looks really great but I can see your mouth moving. You don't have to do that. We add in the sound effects afterwards. Now, uh, McDermott had seen some of the rehearsals for the duel with Ewan McGregor at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and he was always impressed um, with what had happened. He said, you know, we should take the lightsabers and get on the road to show what brilliant fighters they were. Uh, the next guest was another video uh, conference in from Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, 
And for him, he said, it's a real honor and privilege being a part of the Star Wars community. Now, he also reminded us that we know that Jedi can fall from incredible heights and survive. I'm not dead. Mace Windu is awaiting his return. Let's make it happen. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we can have a Mace Windu movie coming up. Now, we, uh, the next guests uh, that came out to the panel were Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and Billy D. Williams, uh, respectively C-3PO, Chewbacca, and Lando Calrissian. Uh, Lucas said to Anthony Daniels about uh, 3PO that the key to the construction was the face. The face had to be absolutely neutral so that uh, Daniels could act, and the acting would come through, and it wouldn't be counter to what the face was doing. You know, Once Daniels was in the suit, the character came alive. Now, of all the 3PO faces that could have been used, the one that was selected was the least favorite of Anthony Daniels. You know, Peter Mayhew had said that uh, there's a lot of Chewy within him. The way he looked at it was that it was a mime character. And he also said of Carrie Fisher um, that she was a rebel, but also a beautiful princess. Um, Lucas also confirmed uh, what we've known for a long time, that Chewy... I uh, came from his own dog, Indiana, who also inspired the name for Indiana Jones, uh, as the dog would sit within the front passenger seat alongside him. And it was that image of, you know, this, this large animal sitting next to him as he's driving down the road, wind blowing in their faces, uh, that really inspired Chewbacca. Now, Billy D. Williams said that he was already a Lucas fan when the chance came up to be in Empire Strikes Back. He was a fan of THX 1138. At that particular time, there's all these wonderful young filmmakers changing the face of cinema. George was certainly at the helm of that period. Joining the saga then was a no-brainer. When I had the opportunity to work with George Lucas, I thought this was like going straight to heaven. It was a wonderful, extraordinary experience that I'm very happy to have had. Now, he did say that he had certain goals for Lando. He wanted him to be unique and new. He did not want to do a stereotypical, cliche kind of character. And he wanted to do something special with it, something larger than life. Well, I think we can all agree he was an old softing. <laughs> now, um, he, Lucas did say that uh, when it came to the original heroes, uh, Han, Luke, and Leia, he wanted to have actors who seemed to have the bond of old friends. He looked at potential Luke Skywalkers for a year, and then finally whittled down the list to the three favorites of uh, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. Uh, but the main reason for casting Mark Hamill was that he was shorter than Lucas. <laughs> now, with this, Mark Hamill took the stage. Um, he was followed just a short time after by Harrison Ford. Another surprise. Um, I don't believe he's ever been to a, a Star Wars celebration. Um, and he said that, um, you know, as a young actor, working as a carpenter to meet ends, eat, ends uh, meet uh, was what he was doing before he was cast in Star Wars. Uh, of course, he had had a, a short bit part in American Graffiti, um, but not much else other than that. Um, for him, Star Wars resonated because of the story. You can have the most brilliant cast in the world, but they have to have a story to tell. It was a brilliant invention of a mythology that has sustained interest for 40 years, and that's made up whole cloth by George. And an actor without a story to tell might as well go home. 
Now, the panel closed with a very moving tribute to uh, Carrie Fisher. Um, George said that she could hold her own against anything. She wore a dress through the whole thing, but she was the toughest one of the group. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy said that not only will Carrie be remembered forever by those luckiest to know her, but she'll be remembered forever by those not yet old enough to say, may the force be with you. Uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord, was the last to speak, and she came out wearing a, a white dress similar to something that Leia might wear. Um, nothing about her was a performance, she said. She loved you, and she loved these movies, and she loved Leia. And that was then followed by a video tribute um, which had behind-the-scenes uh, footage, interviews of her as well as her friends, and you know, it was a very moving tribute. Now, following this video, uh, apparently there was a curtain on stage there at the panel. This curtain opened up to reveal John Williams standing before uh, the Orlando Philharmonic Orchestra. He then conducted them and the princess's theme and closed out the panel with several of our favorite Star Wars pieces. Again, this was a very wonderful look back at the history of Star Wars. It was followed the next day with a look at the future of Star Wars with The Last Jedi. And again, um, a very wonderful celebration. A lot of news, a lot of memories, and a lot of reflection. You know, I wish it's something that I could have gone to and attended, but I'll tell you, um, this was a very special experience, uh, and I'm glad that they were able to share it with us uh, with live broadcasts on YouTube. Now, uh, certainly for a much more in-depth look at everything that happened at Star Wars Celebration, we'd invite you to visit our friends, Techno Retro Dads, as well as Skywalking Through Neverland. Uh, I'm sure that their upcoming shows in the uh, next few weeks are going to go into greater detail as to what happened at these panels and everything that happened at Celebration. You know, uh, these videos are available up on YouTube if you'd like to see them. Um, as well as a few of the other panels. Uh, I know that the Star Wars show had a constant live feed throughout every day in which they got to highlight and take a look at different uh, pieces of merchandise and memorabilia that were coming out, chatting with the stars of the series and fans. Um, you know, there was a lot going on with this event and, you know, some really incredible moments, some fantastic new toys and trinkets and memorabilia. And, you know, it is Star Wars. Um, it binds us, it surrounds us, and it's just a wonderful and fantastic uh, thing that a, lo a lot of us share and enjoy in common. Hi there, Neverlanders. It's me, your Spider Pan, and I know I sound awful. I sounded a lot worse before. Uh, my voice has only just come back. And I wanted to share with you some audio that I've gotten from the Inside the Magic YouTube channel of a panel about the upcoming Star Wars land. And I wanted to be able to share that with you. And so I'm going to share that audio and I'm going to thank you you over there at uh, Inside the Magic for y'all posting this to YouTube. And uh, enjoy. To Disney and beyond. Give a round of applause to Walt Disney Imagineering and to Lucasfilm members. It's Wendy, Doug, Scott, Pablo, Asa, and Chris. Come on out. Let's get started. We're going to go 
introductions and everyone here. Uh, why don't we just go all the way down the road? Hi, I'm Wendy. I'm with Imagineering. Uh, I'm focused on live performance. Hi, I'm Doug Chang. I'm the head of the Lucasfilm Art Department. and I, uh, I lead our uh, Imagineering's creative efforts for all of our Star Wars work around the world. I'm Pablo Hidalgo, I'm part of the Lucasfilm Story Group. Hi, I'm uh, Asa Kalama, I'm an executive creative director working on the Star Wars project. And I'm Chris Beatty, I'm also an executive creative director working on the Star Wars project. And I too worship Doug Chang and Pablo Hidalgo. So I just want to I just want to get started right away with uh, this expansion from kind of uh, a high level. Uh, I just told the story about how you invited me to Imagineering in Glendale last week. Um, I guess coming into it, seeing the concept art, I was almost expecting this like hodgepodge of I mean, in my own head because I'm just not as creative as you guys. Uh, I, you know, I'll go over to Hawk and get a and get a popsicle, and then I'm going to go over to Kashyyyk and get some Wookie cookies, and then I'm going to go over to uh, to Tatooine and maybe you know. Uh, uh, there's going to be, it's going to be hot, you yeah. know, like it is in Orlando and Anaheim, but that's not what it is at all. That is so wrong. That, you know, it would be easy to kind of think, you know, let's, let's revisit some of our favorite places, but here's the thing. If we were to go to those places, Hoth, Tatooine, some of those things, we know the stories that happen there, right? We know whose stories they are, and we know that we're not in them. That's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to build with these guys, with all of us, build new Star Wars stories, new Star Wars destinations, but this time you can be in that story, right? We want you to discover your own Star Wars story, not just remember somebody else's Star Wars story. So that required us going to a new place, a place with lots of stories yet to discover, and new characters, and new adventures, and all kinds of new awesomeness. So you've developed a new place in Star Wars. You've developed a new, what is yeah. it, a new planet, a new... It's, um, a, it's a new planet, it's a new place, it's this remote frontier outpost somewhere on the edge of wild space. Place for us to discover new stories. It, okay, so it's a new outpost. We, we haven't heard of it yet, but you, you've been working on this, Pablo, as well. You've been going back and forth. Yeah, basically, um, I, I love the way all these folks work. Um, I've often said the appeal to Star Wars for me personally is, you know, it's, a, it's a, obviously a great showcase for themes and characters, but for me it's a destination. Star Wars is a place that I visit, and with every new Star Wars story, it's like coming back home, but finding a new corner of that home that you've never explored before. So when it came to developing this location, I've been working, the whole story team has been working, to not only figure out where this place is on the galactic map, but what its history has been throughout galactic history. I, I just have to say that every single time I do a panel where you have uh, uh, Lucasfilm with a company like Imagineering, I am so uh, impressed and overwhelmed at the collaborative nature of this. Uh, of this. And this is something that you guys have been talking about on a, on a daily, weekly basis now for years. Is that right? That's right. We have a, you know, I think it's a great uh, team, really. I mean, you know, we don't really even so much think of it as a partnership as a single team, right? You know, the, we share designs between the work that's happening here and what's happening with Doug's doing in the films and the stories all, you know, one of the things that the Lucasfilm Story Group is so great at is integrating these stories together into a kind of a single Star Wars universe. And, you know, that, this, this, this place has such a rich history. I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I feel like I've already been here 
I mean, we've been working on this long enough that I feel like I've already been here and I've met the characters and I know these people and I can't wait for you guys to meet these people and to be able to Gary does all the sound effects for all the characters from time to time. And the voices. Yeah. So this place is very real for you and the entire team working on this. I understand you brought a video as well. What? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, we were gonna. We, we, this is something we wanted to share with the world. That you know, I mean, we, we really want to. Even though it is a little early for us, we wanted to share stuff with you guys first because we are we are fans. We love the fans, so we wanted you guys to see this first. Because you mentioned it as an outpost, clearly we know uh, from a high level this is a new, a new location in Star Wars. No, it's new to you. <laughs> it's always been there. It's always been there. It's just you haven't discovered it yet. <laughs> but we're all we're all on a hyperspace journey, and it'll take until 2019 to get there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of the characters that we really know and love already are familiar with this place. Right. The fact that it may be newly discovered to us doesn't mean it's newly discovered to everybody, right? Yeah, and it's been there not since 2019. It's been there for thousands and thousands of years. And you're going to discover that. You're going to be able to get a sense of the history of the place when you go there. Yeah, like, so this used to be a vibrant trading port back in the old sub-lightspeed days. But now, with the advent of hyperspace, it's kind of, you know, its prominence has kind of fallen and faded a little bit, right? Which has made it a great spot for those who didn't want to be on that kind of mainstream path, right? So the smugglers, the, the bounty hunters, the rogue adventurers looking to crew up, the people who don't want to be found, right? This is a great, basically all the interesting people. This, basically all the interesting people are here, and that's where we're going to find an opportunity to engage with them and discover them and kind of start to live our Star Wars story. And this is in the Outer Rim? It's beyond the Outer Rim? Pablo? It's a bit off the beaten path. I'm not going to tell you where on the map it is, but I will tell you that it is on the map. For those Star Wars cartographers who always obsess over where it is, <laughs> know that we obsess over it too, and know that putting a dot on the map brings a lot of history to it and we've examined what the ramifications of its location are. Wow! It has ramifications! I want to go. Uh, Alright, so you mentioned really interesting characters. Now, what, what kind of characters are we going to meet there? Creatures? Uh, droids? What, what, uh, what kind of characters? Well, uh, Scott was mentioning we've got our own underworld going on. You know, it's going to be connected to things that you've known and loved, characters you've known and loved, but also some new ones that we can't wait to introduce to you. You know, of course, we're going to have uh, a presence of the Resistance and the First Order because that's Star Wars, right? But then you're also going to have people who just live here, who populate this village, who will, uh, who will engage with you, who will be able to interact with you, and you'll be able to start going on some adventures with them, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wow, and, and of course, the, the, uh, something you said actually last week was that the devil is in the details when it comes to Imagineering. This is something that is just uh, a motto for, for Disney, and certainly we all notice when we go to the theme parks. What's it like sort of diving into the details of a place that you can actually walk around in and, uh, and experience? Chris, you know, when you're designing this, like, how does the devil in the details work in a Star Wars location? Yeah. Yeah, of course, the first thing we did was call up Doug and 
the team and we're like, hey, can we come up and pay a visit and just start having some conversations about what we want this place to look like and you know what what do you want you to what do you want to feel like when we walk into the land? What do you want to smell? What do you want to touch? And I think that's really the big difference between film and what we're crafting. You know, for thirty some odd years now, we've we've seen it sort of in this two dimensional form, and now we're going to let you actually go and explore these these streets and these markets and, and you know buy strange meat concoctions and hold up in weird you know vessels that you can walk around and eat and of course you have to have a glass of blue milk and yeah uh, Star Wars <laughs> wait now is that a pod racer engine what was that that might have been a pod racer engine that we rigged up and you know maybe that's cooking the meat in this market and so you know I think like like Doug was saying that we're we're really trying to um, you know, we're really trying to make sure that there's there's something in this land for everyone. That no matter you know if you, you know where you come into the story or into this saga, that there's something there that will resonate with you. That this place feels like home, but yet at the same time it's new and it's fresh, and and you just never know. Like I mean, little details like. You might hear things scurrying through the sewer systems, and so when you go to the restrooms, you know, be careful what you drink out of, uh, because the water fountains might have a familiar face or an eyeball. Um, you know, it might be familiar. Um, so we're having a lot of fun with those details and just those little things that us as Star Wars fans. And by the way, I'll tell you, this group right here are some of the world's biggest Star Wars fans. We're making sure that those details are in there, that you're really excited, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Doug, you, Doug Chang, you have uh, designed some Star Wars in your day. Uh, I understand. And what was, what is your favorite creative challenge in, in approaching this new outpost? I mean, is, is it, uh, is it the grid? Is it kind of the outward, uh, you know, out beyond? It, what is it? The unknown region? How did you approach this? How did you approach this? Uh, thank you. It's actually really interesting, and actually working with Chris and Asa and John Lorena, it's been really fun because I approach this as just another film, and we design it like that because it has to be as expansive as that. Uh, one of the great things about working on a film is that you're creating these really rich, immersive worlds, but unfortunately, you only experience it from one point of view. With the park, what I really like about this is that we're actually going to be able to live it. Because, I mean, the funny thing is, we build these enormous sets. I mean, they're pretty big, but in reality, they're pretty small. And when you go in there, you can completely get immersed in there, and you feel like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could share this with more people? But then, very quickly, you lose that illusion because you turn around and you see movie lights, and you see what's supporting the wall. You touch the rock, and you realize, oh, it's just painted, carved foam. Or you smell the fresh paint. The great thing about this is this is going to be a, like a 14 plus acre movie set that's real. The rocks are real, every detail is real. And so the approach was that let's do some real world building where we actually can have the tools and abilities with you know, the talented team here to really make it very authentic. And for me as a fan, I mean, I've always wanted to live in a Star Wars universe. I mean, just go and walk around it. And I think we're going to have that opportunity and it's like I couldn't think of a better team to collaborate with. So, This idea of going to Star Wars and being in Star Wars and using the word real is just something that I'm so in love with right now. What were some of the challenges or are the challenges that you're discovering in making Star Wars real? Like you said, it's not a set. You know, you don't turn around and see plywood. You, I mean, you turn around and see more Star Wars. Anything surprise you? Any unique challenges in bringing that to life that you've discovered already? No, I, I, you know, there's always challenges um, anytime you're trying to craft, especially 
especially with this franchise and with the love for this franchise, it's always a challenge to, I think, craft a place that, that we haven't seen yet, that we haven't visited, right? But we, we went back to, we went, you know, we spent a lot of time up at Lucasfilm. We pulled all of Ralph McQuarrie's original artwork out and, and just dug through all those amazing images that um, really, I thought, gave it, as Doug and I talked, really, we felt like that was the DNA Right, that we wanted to sort of base this land off of. That it felt like Ralph might have had a hand in in crafting what this place looked like visually. Um, and so that wasn't a challenge. It was, I mean, it was an honor, right? It was so amazing to get to spend that time together and really lay the foundation for what this plan is going to look and feel like. And so that's really been, um, you know, we always joke that if it didn't look like Ralph, you know, agreed to it or had a hand in it, then we throw it out, right? That design. So I think you'll see that. Um, you know, not just Ralph McQuarrie's work as an inspiration, but you know, we also traveled to uh, we traveled to Istanbul, we traveled to Morocco, we traveled to a lot of exotic places throughout the world to really kind of um, give it that sense of like this exotic, you know, amazing sort of eclectic nature. And so these markets are just going to be packed with incredible details and incredible, um, you know, incredible things to visually take in. And so we're excited to share that. And I think, like I said, it's been an honor to work with Doug and the Lucasfilm team because they really have helped to sort of guide, you know, this direction and, and bring this to life. One of, the, one of the fascinating details that you brought up when I was there is about lighting. Obviously, Orlando is sunny, Anaheim is sunny. How does that play into how you're building a new outpost like this? No, it's a, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, one, one of the things that we also wanted to do was, because it is a real place that you're going to be walking around in, we wanted to make it a place that you would feel comfortable walking around in. I'm not sure Hoth would feel that way. I'm not sure Tatooine would really feel it that way. It can when you're in Florida in August. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, building and working with Doug and the team to create a place that was new and felt new and had, a, and had its own unique style and its own unique geology and geography and history, I think was really, um, and, then, and then one that we felt uh, would work in the, in, the, in, in the physical environment, you know, in, the, in Florida or in California, a place that would feel natural with that kind of weather and rain and, you know, and have to work with all of that stuff. So it's, that may be one of the challenges is that we're trying to impose a certain level of reality into a world that has never felt, you know, has never had to have that imposed on it before. Yeah, and you know, the interesting challenge is that, you know, when we're designing movie sets, it's always for a very specific point of, you know, point in time. We're, we're either building it for like, you know, end of day or daylight. And so you really don't have to worry about the overall time frame. For something like this, it's actually very challenging because you really have to make sure that everything looks good throughout the course of the day because the guests are gonna enjoy it for the full day. And then you have to put on top of that, layer on top of it, weather and how that impacts it. And so it adds another level of complexity, but I think it also brings up the level of the, the, the bar in terms of raising the, our, our aspirational challenge to create something that's very authentic. And what I love about that world building aspect is that when we meet the challenges, you're really gonna feel like you're really there. I mean, the illusion's gonna be completely immersive and, and, and just amazing. I mean, I, I can't wait. I mean, even one of the, you know, the simplest things like smelling things, I mean, you know, what Chris says, that is so important. It's, it's like sound in, 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 in a movie. When you go into a space, when you smell it, when you feel the humidity, you're gonna feel like you're really there. What does Star Wars smell like? This is a You're going to find out. There, there's some things we're not Star ready to Wars talk Wars. about yet. There's some what? things, look, again, this is all about discovering this for yourself. So we don't want to tell you that. We want you to discover that. 
You know, just thinking about this idea of, you know, how do we make it real and the, the challenges for making it happen in the real world, it isn't just about what the place looks like, but it's, it's also just the kinds of things we're used to seeing in those films, you know, the action and the, you know, that, I know Wendy spends a lot of time thinking about how do we actually get characters, and, you know, we're not quite ready to talk about the specific stories and specific characters yet, but how do we get these, these characters to do the things that we're used to seeing on screen but now have it happen really with you in the world. It's been so much fun to work on all of that because we're partnering with Rob Inch and the teams that are developing all of the action for the film. So we've, we've been developing that for a while now. We've done some workshops in London. We're working with the best and the brightest and we're so excited to bring that style to you, to let you be in the center of that action, let you have a piece of that, and to let you experience it right up close and personal. I think we have a little clip of a workshop that we did in London uh, earlier this year, if we want to roll that. Yeah, let's take a look. What do you say? talking about how we don't have the ability to edit in Star Tours and we don't all these amazing action sequences we have to do it in real time or we're going to do it in real time right with you in the middle of it yeah I mean we're we're using rooftops we're using ladders we're it's all kinds of fun stuff that we'll be able to talk more about in more detail later but man um, you're gonna feel like you're in the thick of it you're not gonna sit in a chair and watch it happening you're gonna be standing right in front of it it's very fun you're in the Star Wars. You're in Star Wars. You're in the Star Wars. You're in the Star Wars. So we've talked about we talked about creatures. We've talked about characters. Uh, uh, droids? Are there droids? There will in fact be droids. <laughs> droids are such an important part of the Star Wars universe. They, they add so much heart and humor, and they're so great for fans of all ages. Uh, and our little corner of the galaxy is, is no different. We're going to see some droids that we know and love from screen, as well as get the opportunity to meet some brand new droids we've never seen before, each with their own unique sort of personality and character. And they're going to be really just sort of bustling around this, this village and sort of area, activating the entire world and bringing it to life in a really fun and exciting way. And I, I will say we treat droids as characters because they are, right? They're definitely other beings that populate this place creating this whole living environment that you're going to be able to wander through. It's going to be so fun. Droids are people too. Droids are totally people too. <laughs> so we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, who you're going to meet, what you're going to see. Also, what are we going to do? Sure. So Scott mentioned at the top, right, we're, we're going to be visiting something about a crossroads in the galaxy. And this is a place where all of us are greeted very much as, as guests, as visitors. But for those who are looking to delve a little bit deeper, lots of opportunities certainly will abound. There are, there are going to be a ton of opportunities to uh, help out and support the resistance. Lots of smugglers and bounty hunters who are looking for a little bit of help and might be willing to offer you up a side job. Uh, and for those of you who are interested in uh, supporting the First Order, that will absolutely be an opportunity as well. Uh, but the one, I'm a little scared now. But the number one thing that our fans uh, tell us they want to do when they, when they were sort of part of the universe of Star Wars 
is get the opportunity to ride inside the Millennium Falcon. Uh, and I'm a little, I'm a little advised because that's the one of the attractions that I'm working on, but it's gonna, it's gonna be pretty sweet. We're not just gonna let you ride in the Millennium Falcon, we're truly gonna let you control the Millennium Falcon. Uh, so you and your flight crew are gonna be responsible for piloting one of the most iconic ships in the entire galaxy. That's just a hunk of garbage. Wait, 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 wait. Well, he's gonna fly it, kid. Now, yeah, now, yeah, you. So, uh, I get to... Everyone who goes gets to go on the Millennium Falcon and drive the Millennium Falcon. The, the, the experience will allow you and your flight crew to pilot the ship on an amazing adventure. This is something a little bit different for everyone who rides the attraction. It's going to be truly amazing. But who, who, who's my who's my co-pilot? Uh, your 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 mother, your uncle, your sister, your second cousin twice removed. Do they have to speak uh, uh, Shiriwook? I mean, do, do they have to know how to talk? They should to start practicing their Wookie okay. right here. It, it actually enhances the experience. Interesting. And if I want to crash and, and bump and move and, and do all that, I can. Uh, again, it's entirely up to you and your flight crew. We we'll probably chances are you're going to make it to your destination on the other end. The ship just may be a little more damaged than when you began. So again, it's really up to you. You can you can burn your in without a scratch on her, or if you wanna, you know, if you're a practitioner of bumper bowling and you wanna try to maneuver off a couple of those rock faces, more power to you. But but hang on, if you if you do that though, this is a world in which choices matter. And so if you do that, there are consequences. There are consequences to your actions in this world. So, you know, if you bring a ship back pretty heavily damaged. Chances are, you know, somebody's not going to be too happy about that. Yeah, Wendy has plans for people like that. <laughs> and so, that was my chewy. <laughs> and so again, for those who are, again, really interested in delving a little bit deeper, we're excited for opportunities where, you know, an experience might begin on board the Millennium Falcon and follow you right out the door of the attraction and into, you know, the local watering hole. Right? So it really is up to you to determine, you know, how you want your fate to play out in this world. You can essentially build a reputation in the Star Wars universe. You're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> you, you, this stuff follows you around. I mean, it's truly immersive, not just the attractions, but the, the entire, I mean, well, it's Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there could be someone looking for you eventually. Yeah. Oh. Me? I didn't do anything. Yes. 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 <laughs> That's great. Well, where now? Tell everyone, in case you don't know, when when can we expect this uh, expansion? When is this coming to our lives? When do we arrive? Yeah, I think I like the way you put it. It's like when do we arrive? Because again, as Pablo said, it's been there for for thousands of years, and I think uh, you know we've been, we've already been living there for a while. Um, in fact, that's why I'm still jet lagged. The trip is long. <laughs> um, so. We've actually already uh, announced that we're uh, that you know we're going to invite you all to discover these destinations in 2019. Um, so it feels like it's a, a, a little bit away. Uh, we've had some help. We've, we've had some help uh, building these things out. Um, it uh, turns out that's actually not making it go faster. So 
We chose why we chose poorly. BB eight's a great site supervisor there, though. Um, but yeah, so so I mean, we, but we do have teams all over the world now uh, that are helping us uh, do the things that we need to do so that we can invite you uh, to this place, and uh, and so you can have the kinds of experiences that that that, that all these guys have talked about. Um, both you mentioned early on that there's a big construction site here. Um, that is, and, and there's one in Anaheim too. Um, in fact, just last weekend we we shot a little bit of footage to kind of show the most recent uh, site progress. Uh, we shot this in Anaheim, but in Orlando looks the same. But just to give you a little bit of sense of like how big and massive this this project is, and a little bit about where we're at in the timeline. I want to see it. Yeah. So as I said, this is Anaheim, and all of this, everything you see, is our new destination. It's usually busier than this. This was early Sunday morning, last, last Sunday actually. If you look very carefully inside this building, you can actually see the outlines that might look familiar. Full size. I won't talk about what that giant pit is for. It's not for swimming. So as you can see from this, you know, uh, <laughs> on a Sunday morning, not so busy. Give a round of applause. Give a round of applause. Right? That, I mean, that's the thing that I, I just, I, my jaw just hit the floor because it's like, wait, that, that's actually, it's going to, I mean, full size, you said. Like, full those size. are there. They're right there. They are right there. I mean, those are them. Uh, those are some of them. Because <laughs> we didn't talk about this, you know. Also talked about uh, this opportunity to uh, get behind the controls of a, of a Millennium Falcon and pilot it on this, you know, this journey that's truly up to you and your flight crew about how it goes. Um, and I, as I also mentioned, we're not really talking too specifically about stories and characters and things yet. But one of the things we we have mentioned, and this is kind of evident. There is a presence of the First Order in this experience, right? We are gonna find ourselves in the middle of this opportunity, uh, you know, this epic Star Wars experience that puts us right in the middle of, a, of, a, of an epic battle between the First Order and the Resistance. And, you know, it'll be up to us to choose our fate and to participate in this in some way. And it is, I'll tell you this, it is the most epic, um, it is the most epic attraction we've ever undertaken. Like walking into an RPG, I, I just, I, it's just unbelievable. That's just fantastic. Now, I know we're, we're short on time, but I just want to offer you a chance. Any closing thoughts from your different, uh, different disciplines? Anything, uh, anything you want to say to the fans? Well, we've often said that, you know, we offer opportunities for you to enter in the Star Wars universe, and we've given you different versions of that, whether it's losing yourself in a movie, in a book, in a video game, in a VR experience. This is unlike anything we've ever done before, and it's so amazing. And just speaking personally, you know, I've had amazing opportunity to watch uh, craftspeople who are the best in their field 
And, you know, theme park development is something that I never in a million years dreamed I'd get a front row seat at. And working with this team, it's amazing to see the things that they do and get to peer behind that particular curtain. So I just, I, it's been a great rush for me speaking as a Star Wars fan, and I can't wait to see it finished. Yeah. As a fan growing up with this, uh, kind of living in the Star Wars, you know, galaxy or, or whatever for about, you know, almost 25 years now, it's so amazing because the level of detail and fidelity that, that the team is working on is so over the top. I've never seen anything like this uh, because we're really creating a very authentic real world, something that you can actually feel like it's reality. It's, it's not a movie set, it's not fake, it's real. Everything's going to have that quality to it, that, you know, tactile quality. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm giddy thinking about it because I want to be there now and for me it's that fulfillment of that 15 year old child's dream when I first saw Star Wars, you know, I finally get to go there. You'll know all the surprises already though. You know, I, can I tell a story about you? Please, please tell so, okay. so last week we invited David to come over and kind of just see a little bit so he had a little bit of a context for what we were talking about and one of the things that I remember you kind of reacted to was, you know, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is how do we make Star Wars real? How do we take it off that screen and make it real for all of us, right? And one other thing we knew, Star Wars, we have to have lightsabers, right? So we actually showed David a little prototype uh, of our, of, of how we will actually take these great, the stuff looks great on screen, but we have to make it look great right in front of you. No, no, Scott, it's real. It's it real. is real. I, I've seen a lightsaber now in my life and you showed it to me. It, it, it's, it's, I, I know it's too early, but I've seen, I, I, you guys, I've seen some things. <laughs> and it's real, and it's coming in 2019. Yeah, I mean, the, we, it is a little early. We, you know, we really can't wait to share all this with you and invite you to come and discover it. But the thing we wanted to do today um, was here at Celebration was really take the opportunity to, to just talk to the fans and to just give the fans a little bit of update on progress because we, we are the fans, we're doing this for the fans, we want you guys to be along on this journey with us um, and uh, oh <laughs> yes, we are such uber nerd fans in fact uh, yeah, this was actually yeah, this was in How come we're London. the only two in costume? Yeah, that's that's I, 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 this is either our leader. team or the, the village people. I can't see exactly <laughs> what that is. Scott actually wrote, wore that orange jumpsuit on the tube and no one would sit next to him. Um, <laughs> which was quite fun to watch. That's true. That's true. But we wanted to share with you guys this, you know, uh, uh, just let you know that we, we, we're doing this for you. We, we, we are... We are looking through the lens of fandom at, at the experiences we're building because it's so important to us and we, we know it's so important too. So we wanted to make sure we had we took the opportunity, even at this early stage, to just share stuff with you so that you can feel like uh, you're coming along on the journey with us. Uh, and I just wanted to reiterate something that Scott had said earlier, this notion that it really isn't like we're, you know, two separate teams working alongside one another. We are truly integrated. This isn't an interpretation of Star Wars. This is Star Wars. The people working on it are the same hands that are making the film, the same amazing story group. And it is, it is a, an amazing honor to get to work alongside all these amazingly talented people every single day to make something that is truly canonical. Uh, now, 
I, I know, I, and this really is truly unprecedented to share something so much that you shared today. So thank you so much because it's still so early. But when uh, do we get to hear more? D23 is in a few months, maybe? Yeah, um, D23 is in July and uh, certainly will be farther along in development. So I would suspect we'll have uh, more that we're able to share at that time. And, and also, but we'll be sharing stuff on our on the Disney Parks blog as we as we get more information and we, we want because we want to share both progress and uh, some a little bit of the the behind the scenes so you can kind of get a taste of what it's like to make the Star Wars but more importantly to start introducing you to the stories that you're going to be able to take part in and meet the characters that you're going to be able to become friends with and allies with and combatants of and. I, you know, sidekicks of, and some of these great characters that, that, that these guys have all been developing. So we can go to Disney Parks blog and just kind of stay engaged with all that stuff? Uh, we will start to, yeah, I mean, we want, we're going to start kicking this off really soon. So, I mean, there's already been some stuff on that blog, but expect to see more uh, in, the, in, the, in the future. Refresh, 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 refresh. Please join me in thanking our panelists from Lucasfilm. Well, I do want to thank Jeremy for the opportunity to host the podcast this week. And again, we certainly extend our best wishes in, uh, to him for a speedy recovery. Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Yeah! <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.